You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. What's up, creeps? Welcome to a brand new Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Biratti. And on this episode of Brain Stew, ooh, that was an evil one. We're gonna be talking about David Bruckner's Hellraiser, which just landed on Hulu streaming last week, and. A hot topic, of course, which is why we cover these movies on the Fresh Frights. A Hellraiser movie landed, Jeremy. You are our resident Hellraiser massive fucking fanatic. Hey, since when did Pinheads get the titties? It was really confusing, the fact that uh, Pinhead got the titties. I don't know what to say. I mean, I didn't really actually see any. Did no. you? I heard it was so... F- I mean... The main complaint that I heard from so many people is it was so fucking dark. I couldn't see anything. Dude, there were whole scenes in this movie where I couldn't see shit. Really? <laughs> like yeah. he had blinders Dude, on. Dude, it's or funny something. because like at the end, and in, in the dining room at the end, in the mansion, I was like, "What the fuck am I watching? It's just movements." <laughs> yo, TV, whack as fuck, then, dog. Um, <laughs> your mom. Yo, mom, suck dick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> where are you guys going? Here? <laughs> Um, I'm the one that drinks on the show. You guys are sober. So, Jesus Christ. I should that's be right. She I've does actually, five different I've, I've actually seen <laughs> fans complaining that this movie was too well lit. Have you guys seen that as well? I've seen people that was like, why was it lit Well, so Jeremy, much? Jeremy, uh, lingo now is if somebody says something's lit, that means they liked um, it. So they well lit. They well liked word it. Word to your mother. Word to your mother. She sucks dick. <laughs> she suck a dang dang. <laughs> Well, I yeah, mean, so for me at least, she got them devil dogs. My, my setup, I, it, it seemed a little dark, but I mean, some people don't understand that I had to explain this to somebody about that and Hocus Pocus too recently. That these movies are being made for streaming and they're being made and graded with high dynamic range HDR. So if it's you don't have that kind of television that's 4K with HDR, then it might look a little bit dim because the HDR actually brings up more of the deep blacks and the shadows and heightens the color palette. So. Uh, much like Hocus Pocus 2, where if you watch that on like a regular, just older HD 1080p television, it's not going to look the way they intended. Because this movie was definitely made to be shown in the theater, even though they knew it was going straight to streaming. And it's like, probably the biggest bummer about this movie is that only a very small few amount of people got to see it in a theater, but some did. Lucky. So, yeah, good for you, right? The, that's definitely the biggest bummer of this movie. Yeah, I mean, dude, we've suffered through what? Was it n- nine uh, or no, it was, uh, so part four went theatrical, and then after part four, I think there was, was it five direct, five or six direct-to-video sequels after that? Um, we've suffered through so many of these, and for our fans that don't know, the Weinstein Company, Miramax, owned the rights to Hellraiser, and in their contract, they had to make a new Hellraiser movie. I think it was like one every four or five years. If they didn't make one, the rights would revert back to the original right holder. Um, so all of a sudden they'd be like, Oh fuck. Literally the revelations was one where they were like somebody in accounting at Miramax was like, Oh shit, we've got eight months to get a Hellraiser movie out or we, we lose the rights because their plan for years was to do a big budget theatrical reboot or remake. Uh, so many different directors and people, um, I mean, dude, the directors from from Martyrs were in line to do to do one. Um, Wasn't um, Todd Farmer and yeah, Patrick Lussier were attached? They were as attached well, to 2012. Yep, they were attached. Yeah. I mean, there were so many starts or false starts and then stops to these to this big budget reboot or remake at Miramax. That, uh, like I said, Revelations was one that they were like, "Fuck, we have to make one of these quickly." And it was the first, Revelations was the first one that Doug Bradley did not come back for. Like, they hit him up and they were like, hey, um, you know, we want to bring you on for this directive, you know, DVD Hellraiser movie. And he was like, cool, what's, what's the budget? And, you know, how much are you going to pay me to come back and do this? And they told him, and he said it was the lowest that he had ever been offered 
to play Pinhead, which he's been the one central character that is that literally carried the franchise on. But on top of that, apparently what really pissed him the fuck off, and which is why he left the series to this point uh, indefinitely, was um, he was asked to sign an NDA about the script. And he's like, what? what? Yeah, and it pissed him the fuck off because he had been working with Gary Tunnicliffe since I think Hellraiser 3 was when Gary first started making the Hellraiser movies. And so Gary, you know, finally was getting to make his own Hellraiser movie because he wrote the one uh, previous to that, I believe. And so he ultimately, Doug Bradley was so offended about asked, being asked to sign an NDA that he was like, the salary sucks. What you're asking is is ridiculous. I'm the fuck out. So here we are with uh, a reboot. This is not a remake. Um, I it's not. No, I, I would I would compare this to Evil Dead 2013. Evil Dead 2013 didn't have an Ash. You know, there it wasn't a remake or a retelling of that same story. It was another story about the Necronomicon and people who stumble across this cabin and demons to where this is is kind of similar to where it's like, yes, there is the lament configuration. Yes, there are Cenobites. But this is a brand new story. We're not getting a story of, of Frank and Julia retold to us in David Bruckner's Hellraiser. This is a brand new story within that world. I feel like it could almost go parallel with the original films. And mm. Brady, I know you've read The Hellbound Heart yourself, mm-hmm. the novella. Um, I, I've also understood that this is not a new adaptation based on that either. No, it's basically just taking the IP <clears throat> and doing a, a reboot, like Jeremy said, and, and s- taking the characters of the Cenobites and and doing something different and, and fresh. But I mean, even the original Hellraiser was still, you know, based on the the um, the book, and it just—I mean, there are still some differences. It it sticks to it, but I don't know, man. Like, I guess I was expecting more of a scaling it back and doing a a new adaptation of it but i mean that's fine like i'm glad that they're doing something different i'm glad we're not getting the same thing over and over and over and over again i'm glad it's not pinhead in space again you know (laughs) so i I like that one okay (laughs) motherfucker (laughs) i was gonna i was waiting for darren to be like fuck man i got that poster signed by everyone in the fucking movie um do you uh no i don't but what's funny (laughs) is that i wonder if kevin yeager would even would even sign it is not to go on a on a side rant, but you know Kevin Yeager created Chucky the doll. He created the yeah. Crypt Keeper, and uh, he created the the look of Freddy in, in Nightmare Two, and he got to direct Hellraiser Four. Uh, the film studio meddled with it so much in post production that I think they even went back and did reshoots behind his back and started re editing everything to the point where he was like, "This is not my movie." He had to go to the the uh, DGA, the Directors Guild, and fight and plead his case that he's like, listen, I don't want my name on this because it's no longer my movie. They've changed everything. They've taken this thing away from me. He won, which is very, very difficult. And he got an Alan Smithy credit on the, <laughs> even on the film's poster, directed by Alan Smithy, which is like a pseudonym for anybody that wants their name removed off of a film. So... Insane, but yeah, I, for, I would, uh, I would love to see if he would sign that poster because I fucking, dude, I actually think Hellraiser four might have been my first introduction to Hellraiser. Um, I can't, I can't recall. Mm. I do remember seeing that shit on HBO way too late at night and being like, I don't know, man. There's this weird sex scene. This lady's like pulling her skin off. This shit's really weird. But I got a little kid boner at the same time from what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call that a fear yeah. boner. It's. <laughs> Yep. Oh, I know them well. I got a fear boner. Uh, I'm also just going to take this time to say that I completely despise the Hellraiser franchise for everything that's in it. So, except for you like the book. Uh, Well, the book is okay. Hold on, hold on. Can we? Um, I need need to to rewind on that. So you don't like the first two films? No. Do you hear the way he just said no? He didn't say like no. Um, He was like no, no. That's how I tell my dog no. No, no. Uh, no, no. Uh, so, hold on. Right, hold, well, on so. hold on, You don't like Hellbound? <laughs> Hellraiser 2? No. Oh. Uh-uh. I've tried. Just oh, doesn't do it for God. me. And listen, this is this is Brady, like, 
you've been sober for over a month here. Yeah. Damn. Going on two. Uh, you're, you're, you're your no business is delusional. out there now. Justin putting you out, dog. <laughs> Justin's like, we're talking about addiction movies. <laughs> Brady, well, you know this. <laughs> uh, hey, listen. But, but I no, I don't like that it. up, but okay. I don't like so, any of them. I've tried. The second one is definitely better than the first one, but that's not saying much, in my opinion. Uh, I think Jeremy's having a hard time with this, but Brady, while he's, you know, conducting really? himself yeah. and bringing himself back to reality, for those that are unaware, uninitiated, like there's anyone out there that's listening to this that is, but tell them what this new Hellraiser movie is all about. Sure. If you would, be so kind. I would love to, as it is now my job to give every synopsis. Um, but it is synopsis? your job, damn it. That's what I just said, bitch. Uh, so Hellraiser 2022 <laughs> <laughs> uh, takes place in Massachusetts, and it follows our main character in this one, Riley, and she is a, you know, somebody who's struggling with addiction. She's in and out of recovery, um, and then her group of friends, which includes her boyfriend Trevor, her brother Matt, his boyfriend Colin, their roommate Nora, um, and Riley ends up finding, you know, the cube. And she opens it and becomes the person who has to now bring other bodies and souls to the Cenobites after she summons them. And so it's about her trying to find her redemption and and figure out what's going on and then just constantly, you know, getting people caught up because they're getting cut. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of good scenery at the Cenobites. There's there's a lot that we can get into in this episode about the, the thematic material. Um, but at the end of the day, that's the gist of it. it. It's her trying to figure out all these people that she is destroying their lives without even trying to, which is then a, a, a bigger discussion on her addiction and, and lifestyle. Yeah, and it's very interesting, you know, the comparison Jeremy made to the Evil Dead uh in parentheses, remake, reboot, whatever the fuck people want to call it, um, which I I myself love. It's another movie that dealt with its themes and ideas with using addiction at, at its thematic core. Um, but Jeremy, you are, like I said earlier, you're our resident Hellraiser guy yeah. on this show. Um, it, it's like way above and beyond anyone else that I know. So I'll throw it to you first for your initial thoughts on this because I, I had no idea how you were going to walk away from this and how you were going to feel. And I saw you post something on social which led me to believe it was going to go down one way, but then I felt like it might be another. So yeah. I'm ready for it. So this this movie, it took me some time to really process everything and kind of chew on everything because I do love Hellraiser, and we, we Hellraiser fans have legitimately been put through the ringer with some of the direct-to-video, most of the direct-to-video sequels because after part four, leading up, to Revelations, everything that was released direct-to-video was a different script that was brought to Miramax that had nothing to do with Hellraiser or Pinhead, and people in charge at at Miramax that shall not be named obviously looked at these scripts and they're like, ah, this is fucking, this is good shit. Uh, We gotta make one of them Hellraiser movies, though, so uh, throw the lament box thing in there and... uh. Oh, Pinhead, Push Pinhead, put him in there as well, and, uh, <laughs> push put up, oh, Push Pinhead in there, and, uh, yeah, there's a new Hellraiser movie, fuck it, there's, a, there's one about, uh, the internet, because the internet's really popular right now, call it, uh, Hell World, it writes itself, so, like, all of these sequels, it's like, alright, it's fucking always awesome to see, you know, Doug Bradley, or, you know, some of the other actors in the Pinhead role, delivering these, is it? We have such sights to show you, your pain, our pleasure, blah, blah, blah. It's always it's always fun, but it's always like, you, you end by going, you know, it just wasn't good. It was entertaining, but it wasn't good. So, here we are in 2022 getting a pretty good-sized budgeted Hellraiser movie. Like, I don't want to say it was a big budget, because I don't know what the budget was, but it I, I tried to look it up and could yeah, not it, find it. It looked like it had amount. a really decent or good budget, which is a change for the franchise for a very, very long time. So going into this, me and my buddy Andrew sat down to watch it, and both of us super Hellraiser fans. Hellraiser is his favorite franchise, so we both were just pumped going into it. And the first scene, it was like, okay, they're introducing new ideas and new themes, like, you know... 
the fact that the puzzle box has to cut you is like a new element in, in the franchise where it's like, oh, okay, like it's not just touching and doing the puzzle. Now it's like it has to cut you and get your blood in order for the Cenobites to come for you. Very interesting twist, you know, the... the oh, it did, sorry, did we say spoiler? I don't this is a fresh fright. It's fucking always spoilers, but yes, well, thank you, Brady. Okay. No, th- thank you, seriously, uh, because we've been warned before by other people. Like, please make sure that you mention that you're going to talk about spoilers. I mean, I know every motherfucker that wanted to watch this thing already watched it over the weekend because it's on streaming. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen the movie, thank you, Brady, again. Do not listen until after you've watched them. The movie. only reason is because Jeremy, you were saying stuff, and it got me thinking of stuff I wanted to say, and I was like, I have to make. Yeah, sure well, I say this thank you, no, but also, fuck everyone. You know, here, yeah. here's my spoilers. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You're watching a, mo- you're listening to a movie review. I don't fucking know what to tell you. Watch the movie first. Um, if it, if it if it doesn't say non-spoiler in the title when you click on it, there's gonna be spoilers. But yeah, tr- tr- trigger warning. There's fucking spoilers in this episode. So I like that the older chick that's working for the rich guy, like she's kind of like, uh, like the chick that worked for Jeffrey Epstein. Like, did you did you catch that at all? Where like she's doing really horrible things for this really rich guy because she's financially benefiting from it. And I was like, you know, that's that's interesting. She knows that there's evil, malevolent shit going on, and she's bringing these people to this guy because she's being compensated for it. And I thought that was that was really interesting. Um, you know, after the first scene, there's an, an immediate sex scene, which I was like, okay, like, this tracks Hellraiser movies like usually have like an overly sexual tone to them because that's, you know, Clive Barker's writing. Um, but I will say that that was kind of like the only thing in the movie that was overly sexualized, which was a little strange for me because the first two Hellraiser movies are just littered with it. Um, so they definitely didn't go that route with, with this one. Um, I liked the addiction aspect of it, I thought it it, it added a, a a nice layer to it. Um, and then when we finally start getting some Cenobite action, it's like okay, it's cool. Um, I I th- I think the Cenobites for the most part they looked cool. Um, they looked otherworldly, you know. They looked more like almost like like literally from another world. Like they did not look like they you know like. Clive Barker's Cenobites were, like, bondage, like, BDSM fucking demons, right? These these Cenobites look like they're from, I don't want to say, like, Power Ranger bad guys, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> they, they had just, like, almost just an otherworldly, like, space alien kind of look to them. More theatrical, yeah, I would say, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can dig pinheads. Um, some of the other ones were, like, I liked the blue the blue one, um, I thought I thought that that one was cool. Um, some of them, they were just like, okay, yeah, I get it. There's like skin pulled over your face, so like you're like wheezing to breathe, Cenobite guy, like asthma Cenobite. I don't know. Um, asthma fucking Cenobite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> asthma Cenobite. So I don't know, man. Like, uh, they they were fine. I thought they were cool. Um, I had a really good time with this movie because it like again it was really nice seeing a good budgeted hellraiser movie i loved dude the fucking sets were unbelievable the mansion looked fucking unbelievable um the fact that literally the earth can open up at any given point and the cenobites can just come out of it if you've summoned them by using the element configuration was so interesting. Walls could fucking move and change just like the limit configuration does. And the Cenobites could come out. I, I really, I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, you're just, no, no matter where you go, you're not safe. Uh, you know, there was one scene where they were, like, trying to outrun the Cenobites in their car. And they just could not get away from them. Because at every corner, the Cenobites were right there. Um, I thought that was cool. Uh, my final kind of thought on on the new Hellraiser movie was that I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I don't think I loved it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't I didn't go to sleep like so fucking energized that I'm like you know oh my god that movie was fucking amazing. Finally, 
finally an amazing Hellraiser movie. Like, it didn't get me like that. Like, me and my buddy Andrew finished, and we're like, yeah, that was that was super solid. We had a great time with it, but I wasn't in love with it, you know? Uh, to me, Hellraiser is still Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Like, those are, those are my two Hellraiser movies forever. It's kind of the way that I look at the Terminator films, too. Like, T1, T2, I'm done. I'm out. I can watch the other ones, but to me... The story is one and two, and that's kind of how I feel about Hellraiser. So, will I show up every single time a new Hellraiser movie comes out? Absolutely. They could put out another directed DVD one next week, and I'm fucking watching that shit. What is this about? Let's do it. Because I like the themes. I like the story. I like the Cenobites. I'm going to show up every single time. Uh, for fuck's sake, we're getting a, a TV series that is completely unrelated to this movie. It's, uh, I think it's going to HBO, right? Yeah, um, that's and, correct. And uh, David Gordon Green, a different David, is is helming this one. Um, last I heard. Last I heard. Yeah, I know. I um, it's been a while. I think, but... uh, yeah, there's some other filmmakers as well. I don't know if it's public who some of the ones are that are working on it that I know are working on it. So I probably shouldn't say that. But <clears throat> there's some other good filmmakers that are working on it as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to show up every single time, but... It it was it was really really good, and enjoyable. Um, but the, some of the things that I feel like were were lacking, <clears throat> I'm dying over here. Um, some of the things that I feel like were lacking was the over the top brutal gore and death scenes. Yeah, like this this For was sure. you know you had a scene with with Pinhead taking one of her pins out and putting it through a chick's neck and like that was cool. Um. You know, you had a couple other little things, but there was no, like, over-the-top, like, insane death scenes. Yeah, and that was kind of, like, where I was going to go with my initial takeaway on this movie. Because I'm, by far, like, not the biggest massive Hellraiser fan, but I've always appreciated the first few movies. Um, And I even went back and rewatched the original after I watched the new one, just because it had been so many years. And... You know, I, when I heard this was announced and it was going to be David Bruckner and I mean, he made one of my favorite horror movies of the past couple of years with The Night House. And it, it, it centers around trauma and an amazing performance by Rebecca Hall. It's a lot more smaller scale. But I was like, man, the atmosphere in this movie and the visuals like I could not imagine. And I was so excited what he was going to do with a Hellraiser movie. And I feel like for the most part, what he does with it is. Really exciting, actually, like you said earlier, Jeremy. I mean, it's got a good budget. It's visually, it's got a visual flair to it. It's it's exciting to look at, even though those people are like, it's too fucking dark. But I just want to say, get a better TV. Yeah, I'm that guy. Sorry, whatever. Um, but I think the the my main issues about the movie is there's not enough suffering. And when people are suffering, it doesn't feel like they're suffering. And, 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 I, and I hate to compare it to the original, but when you think about when you're going to do a new version of something, you have to keep the core of what it is there. And when it's dealing with addiction, also, I didn't really see our, our main character, which is going to be something I'm going to talk about a lot in this episode. I didn't see her suffering all that much no. either. And like the main theme of the original is so much more deeply rooted in this perverse sensuality, this eroticism and sex is such a massive part Mm -hmm. of that. And they decided in this one to center it more around addiction, you know, instead of sex, because we live in a world right now, ladies and gentlemen, where sex is one of the most profitable things in the world. If you go on Instagram, you can literally look at half naked men and women all fucking day long for free. But in movies, they don't want to be sexy. They don't want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Sex scenes are literally forbidden in the world we live in now. That's why <laughs> that opening sex scene to me, it wasn't sensual. It wasn't erotic. It wasn't exciting to me like everything in the original film. It was a grimy, sweaty, dirty fuck. They looked like they hadn't showered in a week. You know what I mean? It was just like we've all had that kind of situation, right? Let's, let's face it here where we've just kind of been like, I haven't showered a couple days and we just, you know, it's, it's hungry sex. It's not sexy sex. It's not romantic, but it's not dark either. So a lot of what the movie did kind of put me off. So my initial thoughts on the movie are 
there's some pretty things mm-hmm. to look at. There's an amazing performance at the center with Jamie yep. Clayton as the Hell Priestess, a.k.a. Pinhead here. Some great production design, great makeup effects. But overall, just going to say it out loud, the movie just totally did not work for me in every way. Can we way. talk about real quick the fact, so you talked about the suffering aspect. There's only one character that truly suffers, and it's not even for really that long of screen time. Um, and it's the chick that has the chains, and she's in the van, and, and they're torturing her in the van. Um, I'd just like to call out that the whole time we were watching it, me and my buddy Andrew, I was like, yo, she looks like Adam Driver. I was like, yeah. did you think that too? Oh, yeah, I saw it. I, said that I was like, yo, that chick looks like Adam Driver. I'm just throwing that out there. So, uh, yeah, it, it needed to have more more suffering, more pain. Pain and suffering is is always been the heart and core of the Hellraiser franchise. Because it's the exact opposite of joy and happiness is pain and suffering. So, and that's what the Cenobites bring is is their version. And I like fucking pain and suffering. Yeah. I fucking I, I adore pain and suffering. When I when I think Hellraiser, I think, I mean, I'm I'm definitely thinking back in a nostalgic way because when I watched Hellraiser for the first time, it was the most gruesome, the darkest, the most elemental horror movie I had seen up until that point. It still stands the test of time today. And if you're going to do a new version of that, you have to have some element of that feeling there. And my wife said this, Danielle, as soon as we finished the movie, and she had never seen a Hellraiser movie before, and I've seen a lot of other people actually say the same thing on Twitter since she said this, and I couldn't believe that she said it. She was like, that was more 13 ghosts than Hellraiser. And she had never seen a Hellraiser movie before. But I think what she means is just the idea of them being in this mansion and then these different Cenobites and what they have to do to accommodate them. And it it, it did come off that way after I thought about it. Especially the, and it the main had, guy literally built this cage that can keep Cenobites out or in. Exactly. Just exactly. like 13 Ghosts, but they never explained that. I feel like they shot stuff probably explaining that and like ended, ended up on the uh, cutting room floor for runtime reasons. Um, but it's like... I don't need everything spelled out to me, but that that also was very 13 Ghosts-ish. Yes, and Brady, sorry about leaving you in the dust there for a few minutes because we already oh, went good. off on a tangent on our fucking initial thoughts on the movie, but we didn't get to you, so I got to throw it to you now before we go any further. I mean, I felt a lot of pain and suffering in this movie. It just, you know, it was did because it, did of it come the from- movie itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. God, I mean, dude, like, I'm sorry, man. And I tried, it's the same thing with Halloween Ends. Like, I'm going into it saying, okay, like, surprise me, wow me. Like, I'm going into it with an open mind and, like, I was getting excited. I mean, I even told you guys, like, as more stuff was coming out for the trailers and teasers for Hellraiser, I was excited about it. I was like, cool, like, I, I don't like Doug Bradley. I'll say it right now. I don't like him. I don't like him in his smug little face and his big-ass Dumbo ears. I don't like oh, Doug Bradley. Oh, my God. Leave my boy Doug alone, bro. Oh, my Leave God. Leave Doug you're, you're, alone! <laughs> you're, like, but, you're, like, fucking attacking his his looks. The, yeah, well. Sober Brady's attack, mean Brady. Attack his acting? <laughs> I don't think. Hey, I listen, do listen, Brady. Uh, uh, Doug, no, because his acting is amazing. Doug Bradley and I were in a film together, so we're practically best friends so oh yeah, yeah. you yeah, should yeah. that's I'll true you i, I can't believe it that's right scowling you were both in the barn yeah too. so uh leave, uh, leave yeah. my boy doug dougie doug alone anyways anyways um yeah i mean justin you said it too like the best things about i think the first movie and the second one are, are this like sensual erotic nature of what's going on and it's like very dark and it's very disturbing and it's very forbidden and then there's also the pain aspect like the main point is the Cenobites are on a different from a different realm on a different level where they do not understand the difference between pain and pleasure anymore that's what it is and in this movie there's a clear difference between what pain and pleasure is and the I just felt like they made the Cenobites more sadistic and like more mean than they were in the original one like in the original one they really did have the like the sense of like well no we're this is just who we are this is what we do oh it's their job yeah this is our job like this is what we're here for and and in this one like I love Jimmy Clayton as the new pinhead and I, I I think that you know there's a lot of good things about the movie that come just from this performance but 
ultimately, I, I think that these Cenobites were just more mean-spirited and it was more obvious than it has it's been. It's so obvious. I, I like but, um, yeah, I, I just feel like the addiction story instead of the, the you know, the sexual deviancy of, of Frank, I guess, in the first one, it, I think it was cheap. I think that it was just a cop-out and they said, okay, we're going to go with this instead because it's something that's easy. It's low-hanging fruit. And then they beat it over the head, especially at the end, which we'll get to. But I just, nothing. And, and then, oh my God, I, I just, the amount of kills that you do off screen yeah. or that you imply. Dude, the most emotional fucking death in the movie of Matt, you're just going to have him scream and then show him an hour later. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, he got flayed. Like, no, that was the most impactful death in the whole movie. It's one of the biggest mistakes. It's one of the biggest one, missed opportunities. The sure. biggest dude, mistake in this st- movie was not showing her brother's death. 100%. And you start off the movie with Joey, which is out of focus. They don't even show the fucking chain go into his leg. They show him fall, and then afterwards it's in dude, his leg. Dude, you don't even know who he is. You just, you're under the assumption he's a sex worker, but yeah. that's it. You, he's just a really good-looking person hanging out at this party. So that's and one. Then, Two seconds later, he's dead after like this really weird speech from this dude that built this mansion. Second kill is Matt, which is off screen. Third kill is Serena, which is still off screen. You get a little more time with her and it's implied more heavily what's going to happen, but it's still off screen. And it's like, dude, the first three fucking kills in the first, what, hour and 15 minutes of this movie and it's all off screen. Huge, or it's it's in the background. Huge Joey, mistake. He's in the background, but it's all blurred. Like, come on, yeah. You are given a budget. Show us what you're going to do with that budget. That just make it a pretty looking film. Much like me and Jimmy were just saying a few minutes ago about the things that we come to expect out of a Hellraiser movie. When you watch the original, and I didn't expect it to be identical to it. I knew it was going to have its own identity. I knew it was going to be its own thing. I knew Bruckner is a visionary director, and he wanted to create his own vision and version of what this was going to be. However, when I think Hellraiser, I think KY fucking jelly dripping all over fucking guts and pieces of human flesh being ripped apart with chains and the most gruesome, disgusting fucking also sexually arousing gore and death and painfully fucking flourishing all over the screen where it's so deep and brutal that you can't help but just stare at it even though you want to look away and nothing in this movie hit a nerve and I know this for a fact because I know my wife's tolerance level for that kind of shit right and just not to compare but two days before it we watched Terrifier 2 in the theater and that's going to be a movie we're going to cover on an episode very, very soon here very soon here but okay and I'm not even going to talk about that movie, but what I'm saying is I know my wife's threshold for this shit. And the entire movie, she looked at it. She never looked away. Nothing ever hit a nerve for her. And nothing ever connected with me either. And I, I'm i not hating on anyone that, that praised the hell out of the movie, but let's make no mistake here. It's tame as fuck. Okay, it's tame as fuck when you, when you consider that it's a Hellraiser movie. And I know more people are trying to say that, well, the themes and ideas are deeper. And it, 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 sure, probably. But, dude, it's Hellraiser. I want fucking, I want that shit dripping with blood, guts, and gore, and slimy as fuck. I want to squirm, man, but I also want my dick to get hard the, from it. And, I mean, Clive Barker knew there that. should have been. He knew the connection between the pleasure and the there, pain. There should have been some kills in this movie that made you uncomfortable, that you went, oh, my fucking God, that was insane, intense, and brutal as shit. And we just don't get that in this movie. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I'd be lying if I said I did not enjoy the movie. I, I kind of look at this the same way that I look at Evil Dead 2013, which is fucking fantastic. And I do, lo- I do right, love that I mean, movie. And you mentioned that. That movie, not to go off on a tangent either or cut you off, but dude, that movie went for the fucking throat. 100%. It said, remember, the, remember those yep. movies? the blood and the gore and that, we're going to make you fucking squirm. And that movie goes like all the way with it. It's fucking unnerving. It's scary. It's brutal. And this movie didn't do that. And this is Hellraiser. I'm like, this is the opportunity if you're going to do that kind of thing. This is where you have the... It's carte blanche, man. You're making a movie (laughs) that's called Hellraiser. You've got Pinhead. You know, you've got everything set up. Like, why would you hold back on that? He made the Night House Hellraiser, dude. 
That's, I mean, that's literally what he made. He made something that was eerie, something that was creepy, something that was beautifully shot, but it just didn't have some of the tropes that we have come to love and expect out of Hellraiser movies. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of, not even a lot, there are a few things. You misspoke, not a lot, a few. Uh, Like, am I showing this a little bit of love? Let me pull it back a little bit. Yeah, there are very minor things in this movie that I like. Um, I think that the relationship between Matt and Riley is outstanding as brother and sister. I mean, we all have siblings. I'm the eldest of five, so like, I understand that Matt's perspective of having to look out for a sibling who is just making poor decisions. But like I said earlier, or Justin outed me, I also suffer with addiction and have in my life. And so like, I understand where Riley's coming from. And it's like watching them interact and especially the scene where he kicks her out and she just has to have the last word. Like that's just authentic sibling fighting. Like that's what that is. Like where she's like, just say it. And he screams and then she screams and then she's like, Whatever she says where she's like, well, I was going to leave anyways. It's like, okay, like, this is, per- I thought that was great. Well, dare I say that the character of Matt is sorely missing throughout the movie. And Brandon Flynn's performance is one of the best out of anyone in the movie in terms of the, you know, our main characters. And he's absent. Yeah. I mean, he goes missing and, you know, they're trying to figure out where he's gone and trying to find a rational reason for this. And... I feel like if you look at all the characters we're supposed to like, that's my main issue here, guys, is even if you look at the original, we've we've got a character or two to latch on to that we can actually acknowledge that we like or we can relate to. Mm-hmm. I did not at all connect to Riley at all no. whatsoever. I did not find her to be a likable character. The movie opens. She's having sex. The next scene, she's sitting there with like her feet up. She's making like you know, sarcastic comments and shit. She's constantly, obviously, testing her brother, who clearly is letting her live there for free, it seems, because I don't think she even has a job or anything. And she's bringing this dude into the house that he doesn't like, and she's just banging him, and this guy's clearly sketchy, which we find out later with a twist in the movie. He's very fucking sketchy and probably the most evil dude in the movie. Um, But I I just, you know, if you're going to go addiction... Go full addiction, like the Evil Dead remake. I mean, because that movie dealt with it in a very serious manner, and it, and it dealt with it with stakes. Here, I don't feel like there were any stakes. I mean, we do get one of the best scenes out of the movie, you know, that is attached to that addiction, which is when she leaves after she's kicked out, and she goes into this playground, and she takes pills, and it's literally one of my favorite shots in the movie. She's, like, on a playground, and she's on... The what the fuck are those things? You, you, a merry-go-round whatever and she's spinning and it's like an overhead shot and then we see our first glimpse of a cenobite Dude, in the didn't background that give you more candy man vibes than anything it did but i liked that because even when you watch the original hellraiser the original hellraiser gives me candy man vibes before candy man even came out so it's yeah, just yeah. it's clive barker vibes you know what i mean so i think they implemented something that was trying to be like a love letter to clive barker in a lot of ways which is why i believe he loved this movie so much which he's gone on record to say that he loved it so much he loved so many things about it that he wants to write a new treatment based on this so i mean it, it, for sure i mean it's a love letter to what he wanted to try to create um, yeah. Not necessarily what he actually did. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I was just gonna say it's a I the the things that stuck. Go out ahead, to me Brady. On a second watch, was that like I was like, man, this is just. Like oh, you watched it man. twice. Yeah, I watched it twice. I was like, this is just like Candyman because like the opening. So the score, I think it's by Ben Lovett. Is that his name? He did it. He's done a lot of scores it's, with. It's Ben Lovett. Yes. Um, a lot of scores with Bruckner. Um, but. It's like, you know, the first shot coming up over the city and there's like that rising, like booming synth. Like, I really like that. And then it's like this haunting orchestral score that it's just every time it came on, I was like, oh, Candyman. And like, it makes sense that it would be for Hellraiser. But I was like, that's Candyman. Like, that's all I could think of as Candyman. There was a lot of cues to Christopher Young's score from the Hellraiser films, the earlier Hellraiser films. Yes. Which I, I really dug. And I hope he got some royalties out of it because there were straight up moments of like, that's beat for beat. From his scores, and, and, I mean, I mean, and that's and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys. That's what we want, right? We want something that's going to remind us of what we love about the movie that got us into this in the first place, no. and it's an homage 
and it's respecting that original. I know a lot of people complain that there weren't enough of the themes in the movie, but for me, when they came up, I was like, there was that one moment later in the movie when you first heard, you know, the main theme that we remember from Hellraiser, and you're like, oh, and they played it at the most perfect time. You were like, it was just a perfect needle drop, and like the, the amount of care that Bruckner put into this movie make no mistake, like, he knew exactly what he was doing. He had a very clear vision. It may not be the vision that's going to work for everybody. Um, I feel like I'm kind of in the minority here, uh, because if you look at the majority of people that walked away from this movie, uh, people are loving the shit out of it. And, you know, that's kind of the thing, though, on social media. I mean, and I'm definitely, I wouldn't say victim to it, but I'm also one of those as well. People actually messaged and claimed or commented after I posted my blurb on Terrifier 2 like you're getting paid for that like really you think I'm getting paid for my opinion on a movie I fucking yeah. wish pay me I'll tell you I'll tell everyone your movie fucking rules dude <laughs> but um no it's it's just there, there's so much of a, a an overabundance of positivity towards the movie and rightly so I mean it's it's beautiful to look at it's got a great atmosphere and I think the next thing that we definitely need to talk about, which is the, you know, it was the elephant in the room for many months. And so many hateful bigots came out of the woodwork in regards to Jamie Clayton being cast. Oh, come on, we're still we're Pinhead. still doing that. People are still doing that. Well, it's, I mean, yes, if, they if, are if always going to do just, that. I think they're always going to. I think, Jeremy, I think that they're, they're going to even into our children's senior years i think it's just going to continue on and on there's always going to be people be people that have a problem with it not only that there was a trans woman that's playing pinhead but the fact that it was a woman in general like people just did not like that and i know you yourself you had we had talked about this you know off the show that you were like well you know if, if doug bradley could have done it and if they had have offered it to him it would have been cool to see and i know it's kind of like that robert england freddie thing where like people are like well if they're going to do one more why not get him back? He he could do it, and, and and I totally understand that. But at the same time, if you're gonna do something new, and if you're looking at it in the sense that you're gonna make more than one of these things, and you want it to be your own version of it, it would make sense that you cast someone that's gonna be your version of what this character could be for your vision. And I thought that Jamie was fantastic, and in her own way, like her version you know she wasn't trying yeah. to be doug bradley's version which is so commanding and so operatic and almost shakespearean in his tone and his presence and the way that he you know spouts off his one-liners when you watch it it's like so fucking magnetic you cannot take your eyes off the screen sorry brady you're 100 wrong about anything to do with doug bradley and hellraiser even the worst sure, hellraiser sure. movies he's he's just like you can't not look at it you know what i mean he's Oh, I just can. phenomenal. <laughs> but he's he's a great actor and he brings to that role something special. So I understand people's, you know, hesitation like, well, it's this person that we've never really heard about, you know, but a lot of care went into this version and and how it was going to be portrayed and written and performed and I love the design. I love how she sounds. I mean, a little bit too much on the, you know, the sound effects on the voice, but when I go back and watch the original, you can actually hear Doug Bradley has a little bit of effect on his voice as well. So you open the box. This is a much more laid back pinhead. This wasn't as it, it was. Brady, what you don't think? I, that? I'm letting you finish your thought. Oh no, I was just you made a face, so I was going to say, feel free to cut in if you feel differently about that. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it's... I, I wouldn't say laid back. I actually found this version of Pinhead to be more aggressive. Like, I think that Jamie well, did a I better mean, job maybe, of maybe aggressive, imposing yeah, than I mean, Doug Bradley ever did. Okay. Oh, I mean, Brady's going to get I some think, hate mail like a motherfucker. Look, I hope he does. I hope look, he fucking I'm gonna, does. Hey, you know what? I will fucking I'm gonna, school everybody, you like uh, Bradley is the worst fucking Hellraiser. I'm going to let you know uh, Brady's telephone number <laughs> is... Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Boxing me right now? Pulling it up, hold on. Brady's telephone number is so you can text Are we really him. Doing you this can right text now? him and tell him he's a piece of shit for saying Doug Bradley sucks. Dude, five four zero six four five. I'm just fucking with you. I'm not gonna say the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. I was waiting for it because I was like, I was curious. You know what? We do have a hotline number, guys. I should reactivate that. Actually, we have a hotline. But, I should reactivate. Oh, dude, we, it. So, so we definitely can, need to do that. Then you can call in. 
Let me then, get back then to then my opinions and, and, on Jamie. Okay, <laughs> since you guys are about to just yeah, like yeah, leave leave, phone leave Doug's name out your fucking mouth, bro. I would love to. Okay, but I think that so with the casting, go back to what the set what the Cenobites were. They're not they're not supposed to really have gender. They're not supposed to have sex. Like they are supposed to. You're not supposed to know. Like it doesn't. It shouldn't fucking matter. Like I get it because Doug Bradley is clearly a man in pinhead suit through the Hellraiser movies that he's in. Like that's what you get. But like in the book, Pinhead was not the leader of the Cenobites. He was just another nameless Cenobite. And then it was just the most visually appealing one. And, and for the movie, they could make him the 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 leader. But like you don't need Pinhead to be defined by gender for him or her to be scary and i think that i mean make no mistake jamie clayton hold on i actually had it here uh, i actually wrote my nose for this one <laughs> uh is the perfect actor to rush in this new era of pinhead for hellraiser fans like that's what you were saying like bruckner knows what he's doing and knew that there would be a whole generation of fans who are only seeing this one not any other hellraiser movie for the first time thank god don't watch any doug bradley one uh but what microscopic amounts of sensuality exist in this movie are entirely commanded by Clayton. Like, anything remotely erotic, sensual, arousing are with Clayton's pinhead in frame. Like, I love the electronic voice. I love how it's so, like, mesmerizing any scene. Isn't it soothing a little up. bit? It's soothing, but it's like it's like almost that um like lulling you into that false sense of security where you're like comfortable and you're like, wait a minute, I feel like warm and I feel like I'm safe, and then you know something bad is about to strike. Like that's what I get from this version of Pinhead, and that's where I really, really do enjoy parts of this movie too. I, so I, I think Jamie Clayton is the the Pinhead. I think I can't, that's I, I can't no disagree with you. I can't disagree with you. I, I won't say that. I mean, I, I feel like you know. A, a perfect counterpart to Doug Bradley, considering that you don't like Doug Bradley's pinhead. That's the, all right. Did, we've I, accepted, did I get that across enough? Did we, I, did may, I? Maybe we'll have to just accept that here on this episode and maybe later on at another episode, we'll deal with it again. Uh, Jeremy's checked out. He's like, I'm going to go to fucking bed <laughs> Jeremy now. Is like, I'm done. Look at him. He's like laying back. Right fuck this. What I have just, I gotten myself I just, into I, with this kid? I, I feel so many things about so many things that you said, Brady. Do you feel pain and suffering? Do you? For our friend, for our from, friendship, from it's so remarks. strained after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> As I look it's everywhere, fair, I turn fair, my head. Fair, I see fair. fucking Doug Bradley pinhead shit in the room that we're recording in. So, but no, I get it, dude. And and your your opinion is valid because it's it's your opinion. You're allowed to fucking think whatever you want on on any actor, any film, anything. Hashtag film is subjective. film is subjective. So like, no, that's make sure to throw it in my face any chance you and get. Brady. Also, also fine. like. I, I also think it's interesting that you have a different perspective on it than what, you know, I'll, I would, dare I say, most horror fans would have on Hellraiser and Doug Bradley and Pinhead. So it, it's it's unique. So I think that that's, that's an interesting conversation that's that's being had regardless. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really enjoyed this movie because it's one of the best that we've had in a very, very long time in this franchise. Um, I don't feel like it was disrespectful to the original source material um, uh, of the original films and the franchise. I feel like it just did its own thing within that theme and that world. And I feel like I was going to say earlier is, I, you know, the way that I look at Evil Dead 2013 is that it, it could be like an alternate universe version of Evil Dead. It's not a, it's not a remake. It, it could even coexist in the same universe. And I feel like this... Jamie Clayton's pinhead could just be another pinhead, another Cenobite from another mm -hmm. time um, that Doug Bradley's pinhead could still exist in that universe as well. That's kind of how I look at it uh, as a fan. That's how I like to look at a lot of these things. And it makes me go, you know what? That That's cool. Uh, we can have both of these things and still be a happy fan. You can still, and I think you're not, you can still love Doug Bradley's performance as pinhead and yeah, still embrace yeah. another person's performance you can still love those original films and enjoy this new one because I, I think a lot of time fans feel like well I love these so much because I grew up with them that now you're doing something different with it and I'm just going to be close-minded towards it or they, they act like it prevents them from being able to enjoy them which makes no sense to me like open your fucking mind man I mean and I feel like it's it's it, it hurts these new movies and also you being a fan if you love what 
was so special about those old movies, give these new movies a chance. It might not be for you, but I understand if they take what you loved about those old movies, like, you know, we talked about last week on the show in our top five Rob Zombie movies. If you talk about Rob Zombie's Halloween, he did something slightly different with it, and it, and that's kind of like me. You know, you did something really, like, not the same thing. You did something different with it, but I respect it. But also, here, I feel like the core of what you expect from Hellraiser is, tr- is is attempted to be presented to you, except for that grimy KY jelly drenched Absolutely. all over fucking guts and Absolutely. gore, fucking Jesus chains everywhere, and yeah. practical effects. I mean, and and, and also the the sexuality because we know Hollywood is so fucking prude right yep. now, which makes literally yep. no sense. I, I I don't know why. I mean, but, dude, uh, re- let me jump right back in real quick. Is you know, and and I've I've used this analogy before, and I'll continue to use it. I have friends that have told me when Robert England is done playing Freddy, Freddy is dead to me. Uh, I don't agree with that because Freddy Krueger is a character, right? Uh, That'd be like saying Jack Nicholson is the Joker, and that's definitive. The Joker is dead to me because Jack Nicholson's no longer playing it. Look at Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. Dude, people were fucking pissed when he was cast, and then when they saw the movie, they went, holy shit. And it was a wildly different performance than what Jack Nicholson gave us with the representation of that character. So my thing is, dude, I want these characters to live on for fucking ever. When when you recast Freddy for the sixth time, when it's the sixth actor, you know, and, and the sixth reboot, you know, in fucking 30 years, I'm here for it, man. Because I love Freddy Krueger. I would love to see new Nightmare on Elm Street movies for the rest of my life. Even if Robert England's not in the character because I love the character, I love the themes, I love the world that has been created in these films and I want to see more of it. So, And I feel like, going back to what you're saying, I feel like Wes Craven himself, in terms of Nightmare, would want it to live on. I feel like, as we've seen here with Clive Barker, he does want this to live on. He's happy about it. He's excited about it. He's enthralled about this fucking movie and the performances, and he's praised Jamie Clayton. And his quote was, I didn't didn't write it down for my notes, so I apologize, but it was so in praise of what she did for this movie. And he was just so excited because think about where he is as, as as a master of horror. Nothing that he's done has been celebrated, you know, in her, I mean, Candyman aside, in a long time. You know, we got a new Candyman, but they're starting to come around to his stuff that he wrote, that he put together, and it's got to feel great. You know what I mean? Again, going back to what you said earlier, though, that's the crime, though, because I would have loved to have seen this in the theater, and I will not lie. My opinion on the movie may have been different had I seen it in the theater, had I had total concentration and focus and that aura of being in a dark room and watching this thing. I watched it at home on a Friday night on my setup, which is a great setup, but I just wanted that feeling of like that theatrical experience, and that's why I, I'm very jealous of those people that got to see it on the big screen when it premiered in September, um, you know, and they did some other, like a few other small screenings here and there, and I'm just like, maybe I'd feel different. I do want to revisit it, and Brady, it's great that you watched it a second time. I wanted to watch it a second time. I know, Jeremy, you had talked about possibly watching it a second time if, we, if you had the time before we did this. But the movie works in so many levels, but for me at least, it doesn't work on the most visceral and the ones that I want them to the most. So we might as well get down to it right now, guys. We're going to get to trash it or treasure it. And Brady, I'm going to throw it to you first because clearly I was wrong about what I said earlier in the episode. It's not Jeremy who's the biggest Hellraiser fan on this episode or in this show in general on Brain Stew. It's you. You are our resident Hellraiser fucking fanatic. So what do you got to say? Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like if if you're going to have a Hellraiser movie, you cannot pull punches when it comes to pain, pleasure, anguish, torment. Like I need the visual. It's almost like a visual stimulation, right? Like the chains going into somebody. It's supposed to be gruesome, but erotic. Like I, I need that feeling back in a Hellraiser movie. And like, you can't just give me on this brand new budget. Like sure. All the money goes to making it look pretty and making it look nice and making it dark as shit through the last half of the movie. But like, 
none of it in, was impactful. None of it hit me in a way that I had to turn my head and say, oh my God, that was rough. Like it just was not, it didn't hit the marks that it needed to. And I'm glad that it's going to get some love from the new generation. Like I said, and Jamie Clayton was great, but like Jamie Clayton is not enough to make this movie successful or make me want to just go and watch it again outside of this episode. Like I would, I hate the Hellraiser franchise and I would rather have just watched the original than watch this one. And that's saying a lot for me. Um, and I know that Bruckner has been, you know, quoted as saying that he wanted to make this movie so that it, it made people love, want to love it, but also want to revisit the, the original franchise. And that's cool and everything. But like, I feel like he sacrificed a lot of his own thing and his own movie and the success of his own movie by doing that. And uh, I think a lot of fans are going to agree eventually. Maybe not right away because they're all excited about it. But if so, for me, it's it's a trash. I, I I don't think that seeing it in a theater would have helped one bit. I think it would have been the same thing. It would have just I would have been more disappointed that I spent money on it. That's fair. Oh well, that that there it is. The rat ta 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 ta. So we're 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 over to back to yes, our real resident Hellraiser lover slash expert Jeremy treasure to treasure it man treasure I, I had a really good time with this movie I, I was thoroughly entertained um I was never bored uh I was super invested the entire movie you know the uh the first scene although you know the, there's flaws with with the kill not being front and center the first kill of the movie it still drew me in immediately and this thing looks beautiful. It was expertly executed. Um, the production design was unbelievable. Um, the acting in the movie was was really solid. The special effects makeup on the Cenobites was unlike anything I've ever seen before, so I have to give it to David Bruckner and crew for that, that he gave us something that was completely new and Hellraiser, as a franchise, has always been about the skin, the flesh, the blood. And these Cenobites, their skin has all been mutilated. It's all been pulled and stretched and draped and stapled and sewn um, in the most insane-looking ways. They These Cenobites are so unique that I, I was captivated by them. Like I said, it, there were things where... I'm like, okay, this is the the asthma Cenobite or whatever the fuck else, you know. <laughs> you fucking asthma there's, Cenobite. There's, there's a we should we, we should do a T-shirt where it says asthma Cenobite and Hash, fucking hashtag asthma Cenobite. So like, there was a couple of the Cenobites that I was you know a little underwhelmed with, but for the most part, it was like you know they looked really fucking cool. Um, I liked the theme of addiction. I lo- dude, the ending, we never really, you know, touched on the ending very much. I feel like they really landed the ending and it was very unique and Pinhead's disappointment in her her decision and what she chose, I feel like was just so fucking interesting because to these Cenobites, they're offering gifts. To them, they're offering things of like why wouldn't you want this? We're showing you pain that equals pleasure in ways that your brain can't even comprehend. We're giving you a gift and you're denying it. She was legitimately disappointed in our lead's decision at the end of the film. I thought that was really interesting. However, again, I went to bed not being stoked about this, not going, fuck, they nailed it. Like, God damn, they nailed it. That's how you do a Hellraiser movie. I was like, that was really entertaining. And I will watch this again. I will watch this a lot. You know what I mean? Like when I when I go to watch the other Hellraiser films, if I do a marathon, I'm absolutely going to watch this one. It was <laughs> Brady's face. He's frowning the it biggest It was it was really it was really well done. Although there are a lot of things that I could have done without. There's a lot of things that I wish they would have changed and there's a lot of things that they could have done better. Uh but I will still treasure it because it did its job uh on a moviegoers aspect because I was thoroughly entertained from beginning till end and I had a great time with it so I'm going to treasure it very fair both of your guys' takes are extremely fair myself 
I, I'm really in the middle on this, and this is where I, I go back to when we started this brain stew thing, and I'm like, I want to make it hard. There's no in the middle. There's no number rating. You can't say it's a passing grade. In the middle, it's got to either be you trash this fucking thing or you treasure it. So I, 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 I got to for once be kind of mean towards a movie, even though I liked a lot about it. And it's a director that I fucking loved with a performance that I absolutely adored at the center with Jamie Clayton as Pinhead. I'm tra- I'm, I'm going to trash this thing. I, 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 I can't help it. I, I, I will watch this again. Um, I do feel like, even though Brady said otherwise, that for me at least, being the guy that really does... Uh, I feel like I, I center myself in a movie theater and I find the movie much more on a deeper level when I'm in that atmosphere and I connect to being in that room. It's not the same as me sitting in my living room with, you know, my dog gnawing on my fucking kneecap and, you know, the other one drooling all over my fucking foot and then my wife telling me to shut the fuck up during the movie. You know, there, there's different things that occur in a theater, you know, um, but you guys all said everything so perfectly before me great performances uh for the most part i just i my main issue is that i just did not connect and i'm going to butcher her name but uh odessa zion uh who played riley in the movie she's a young woman struggling with addiction and i never for once thought that it was that bad for her addiction like like it was just like you know a thing that she was dealing with and i know people deal with this differently but one of the things about the 2013 Evil Dead movie that connected with me so deeply was Jane Levy's performance and how she like performed as this person that was an addict. It felt real, and it felt like there were stakes. And here it was just like, eh, I'm living my brother. Eh, who cares? I mean, she loses him, and she starts freaking out. But also, she looked like she needed to take a fucking shower, so she probably should have done that and change your clothes and shit like a regular person would do. Yeah, I'm being a dick. <laughs> Don't care. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, everyone looked like real people, though, and I understand that's the way that Hollywood wants to make these movies now where so everyone's so relatable, where they don't have to try to pick out people that will be memorable visually, where they just want you to... They hope the writing and the performance is enough. And here, I just didn't get enough from this character. I didn't latch on to her in any way. And the characters I did like were hidden in the back. And I, I hoped for more Cenobite action. I loved the designs. I loved the practical aspects. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look at our Facebook page and our Twitter, we posted that behind-the-scenes video, which is super cool, with Jamie getting made up as Pinhead, which was apparently like four and a half hours, which is around what we expect for that kind of makeup. And it's exciting. And it's got to be exciting for her to be this new horror icon, which she is, and rightly so. I just can't treasure this movie because it's not a movie that I would buy, you know. Um, I'm gonna buy that. What, I will. I swear. I swear, folks. I mean, God, we'll, I will. we'll see. We'll see. It's Hulu, so we'll see if they even release a physical disc of this. I assume, hopefully, they will. But maybe, you know, maybe I'll change my mind. We'll see. But for this moment, for this review, for our fresh frights, that is Hellraiser 2022. Those words I never thought I would say. Hellraiser in 2022, a movie that got released in a big way with a big budget with a great director behind it. And this is what we got. But ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of this episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. And Jeremy, if they want to find us on the socials, if they want to try to find the episodes, listen to the show, the back catalog, if you will, tell them where they can find us. Uh, You're going to go on your smartphone. (laughs) And it's it's incredible. You type in anything that you're looking for, and you're going to fucking find that shit. I swear. I swear. So, like, anything? anything. If you're like, yo, I want some frozen bananas, Google that shit, and Google will tell you where the fuck to find some frozen bananas. So, if you, if you like this podcast and you're already listening to it, you're a fucking idiot. Why are you looking for us when you're already listening to us? So... That's where. You're already here. Right. You're already a part of the club. You're already part of the Epic Film Guys Brain Stew Club. You Now it's your job to tell everybody where the fuck to find us. Tell tell everyone. If you're in an Uber and it's not one of those new... And it's it. not one of those new Ubers that are like driving themselves, which fuck that shit. 
tell your Uber driver, like, epicfilmguys.com. And he'll be like, what? And you're like, yeah, motherfucker. That's right. Hand him a sticker. Give him a business card. Tell him to call Yeah. So, yeah, Google that shit. We're ready to believe you. Okay, so, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we're on every single podcast platform. We're all over the place on social media at Epic Film, guys. If you search Brain Stew as well, you're going to find it. Jeremy's right. You search it on Google, it connects you to everything. It's it's so true. Why am I even You're going to find pictures anymore? of 2007, Justin, just fucking it up, destroying life. Oh. I'm still doing that. I'm just pretending that I'm not. Marriage and a child and a house don't mean that you're doing well. It just means you're pretending that you're doing well. But we love, 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 love you. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. And, of course, if we're posting this on social media, feel free to let us know in the comment section how you thought of the movie, what your opinions are. We love to hear that. But uh, until next time, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Birazi. Roman, 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 Cokes, Roman, 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 Cokes, Roman, 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 Cokes, 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 Shit. We'd like to ask you to keep it creepy. And that was more evil than anything we saw in the Hellraiser movie. That was painful. You open the box! We came!